Listening to the Order 66 podcast, brought to you by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and the generous donations of Jared Williams, Kevin Malone, Donald Weller, Sean Kumar, Darren Hampton, Andy Bethel, B. Witzel, and Balaam's Blasters. What is up, Gamer Nation? Thank you for tuning in. This is GM Chris, and you are listening to The Order 66 Podcast, the original podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars role-playing. And I am joined tonight by a gentleman much wiser, stronger, and quite frankly, just better looking than me, if I really have to get down to it and and really kind of beat myself up and feel bad about myself. Um, You know, because that's my thing, right? I'm I'm a negative person overall. my co-host, GM Phil and GM Dave. Gentlemen, hello. Hello, sir. <laughs> hello. How you doing? How you doing, Big Pimp? And I'm bringing the sexy tonight, boys. <laughs> right on. You bring the sexy every night, Dave. But your sexiness can't compare with the other host that is joining us tonight. A special guest host of the Kickstarter kind. Uh, welcoming to the show, uh, GM Chase. Chase Lamaster, what's up, man? Hey, good to be here. Good evening, Gamer Nation. Good to have you on, sir. Good to have you on. We were uh, we were chatting before the show. Um, you've had quite a bit. I've gamed with you quite a bit, and yeah, you know, and obviously you, um, you know, helped support uh, our last uh, Gamer Nation Con and and uh, pledged Kickstarter level that you got to host a show with us. Um, so we're yes. thrilled for your support and thank you for being here with us. And we're gonna we're gonna have some fun. Sounds um, great. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be hunky dory, but we have some news to talk about from this week. <laughs> <laughs> boy, boy, howdy! Um, so do you guys want to get into some announcements? Absolutely. Sure. Let's do it. Hello there. What have we here? Good news. Announcements! Announcements! Um, all right, Mr. Guest Host Chase, do you want to talk about the featured podcast this week? Absolutely. So, <clears throat> the featured podcast of this week, never forget your roots, Gamer Nation, because the role for initiative podcast doesn't. They keep the first edition AD&D torch burning with dedication and gusto. They recently dropped an unusual and fascinating episode, Volume 6, Special Insert 9, Drive to Origins, where DM Matt did a surprisingly amazing solo episode as he drives to Origins Game Fair. He talks Origins history, convention going, whiz kids, gaming groups, and doles out some pretty touching life advice at the end. Good show, Matt. 
You can find this and many more great podcasts at d20radio.com. Ooh, he did, he, he did good, didn't he? Oh, yeah, he I did. think so. That was pretty good. This is this golf clap. Very, very you know nice. What? I will allow you. I will allow you to pledge the Kickstarter again next year. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that, sir. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. Keith's in chat and says he can't hear anything, so you might want to check that. Oh, do I need to check that? Okay. Well, fine. I can check that. Uh. And while you're doing that, we can talk Genesis, bitches. <laughs> yes. Oh whoa, 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 I'm sorry. What, Genesis? You mean that Terminator movie that came out a couple years ago? No, I'm no, talking no, about no. the first book of the Bible. No. Oh, <clears throat> oh, 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 it's the Star Trek. It's oh. the Project Genesis that um, terraformed that uh, deep space. For the love of God, it is the new generic narrative dice system <laughs> that has just been finally announced by Fantasy Flight Games that many of us may have already known is coming down the pipeline. Sega! <laughs> 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 yes, commence peeing your pants and and uh, and uh, giant amounts of nerd goo in your nerd pants, Gamer Nation. Um, it appears that it will have unique dice, but all of our existing dice will probably work. Uh, the symbols are called the same thing, so you've still got successes, failures, advantages, threats, um, triumphs, and despairs. Um, but they just look a little bit different because they're more generic, they're less Star Wars, because these emblems on the Star Wars dice are all actually trademark Lucasfilm. Right. Yeah, so. because reasons. Because reasons. Because reasons. Um, so, yeah, uh, folks are very excited about it. There's already uh, a plethora of folks out there who saying that I'm going to make a theme for this setting, I'm going to make a theme for that setting, for this intellectual property, for that intellectual property. Uh, you can bet that as soon as the uh, book is released to the public that my Fallout theme will be all script, uh, scripted up to, uh, to mesh with what they've got going on. And we've got a few other themes uh, being worked on by top men. Oh, sorry, that's punk. <laughs> top men. What men? Top. Top. Top men. Top men. So it, it, Not it's toppers, going, but top men. It's it's going to be great. The There was already a forum set up for it, and there's now like a Reddit forum for it, and it, it, it's already a hopping community. It's pretty wild out there. Um, scheduled to release sometime in quarter four. Uh, and you can find the announcement article right now at fantasyflightgames.com, along with even more cool news about Genesis, the narrative dice system. Dude, I am so thrilled. It was a cool article, too. It kind of gets you pumping up, you know? Oh, it does. Agreed. It does. I am, I am, I, I, I am touched. Uh, on Facebook, Sam Stewart um, uh, called out um, a specific thank you uh to, I think he actually called out the three of us, um, which was pretty, ni- which was pretty nice, um, and yeah, something very cool to to look forward to. I, I'm I'm thrilled. I mean, we've already talked about you know obviously in post show that I'm I'm working on uh, you know a unique uh, setting for it. Obviously, the Wizarding World uh, in theme with our, our 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 upcoming con. Dave's pimped out you know a Tron setting and theme he's working on. Um, oh yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm really interested to see, I mean, like what they talked about, what, what are the, the, their four, their four themes that are going to be in the core book they talked about in the article. Well, they actually kind of like talked about five, possibly six, cause they talk okay. about fantasy. 
uh, steampunk, weird war, mm-hmm. modern, and sci-fi. But they actually call out sci-fi specifically hard sci-fi and and uh, space opera. Ooh. What was what was the funniest comment you saw on online about about this system? <laughs> I'm going to use this system to run Star Wars. <laughs> nah, I don't think it'll work. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a guy, one of our Gamer Nation faithful, Jeff Ross. Yeah. Who's going to do graphic design work for, I guess the working title is The Edge of the Grid. Nice. Yeah, I might change it up, but still. I like like the Edge of theme. I mean, I know the system's going to be called Genesis, but I really like that Edge of theme because it, I don't know. It's like, it's like, I don't know. It, it it nods to where it came from. Exactly. Exactly. Edge of the grid, edge of the wasteland, That's right? Edge of the wizarding world, or edge of Hogwarts. I was gonna go. With edge. I was gonna go with edge of Hogwarts. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So I mean, Chase... you have to imagine a time when Clue has been defeated and the users are fighting over the grid. <laughs> Sweet. Who will wrestle control? So Chase, what are you most excited to play in Genesis, and are you excited about it? Oh, absolutely. I, I love this. Don't say Harry Potter. Don't say Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> H- having been to the Wizarding World in Florida, like, a couple of times, uh, that would be really, really cool, actually. But, uh, no, uh, really, I like the um, I like the Tron idea, um, and, and that's going to be your thing. But uh, I've always liked the original Tron, and then going into something that would be like, uh, the, the legacy and delving into that and seeing what that could be like would be really great. I tried to figure out ways of doing that with uh, my Star Wars games, um, but never really got into the whole computer thing. So, yeah, mm. that's what I look forward to. Indeed. Well, if you guys want to see the awesomeness, you can find that announcement article right now at www.fantasyflightgames.com along with even more cool news. Um, and when you're done checking that out, you can uh, open a new browser window and head to d20radio.com, uh, the only gaming blog that flips destiny points to the plaid side. And once you've uh, <laughs> once you've gone to plaid, you'll find the best fan-generated content and articles that you can give the raspberry to. Uh, some highlights from this past week. Um, ben Erickson brought us a new entry in his workshop series, uh, which is devoted to like ready-made elements that you can just put in your games. Um, with a, a new entry that's like a ready-to-play mercenary protection organization uh, that is called uh, Where There Be Dragons. Um, fully fleshed out, uh, you know, sort of merc uh, bodyguard protection org that you can just plop uh, into uh, your fantasy RPG of any stripe, um, ready to be a good patron group or an adventuring company for your players. Lots of fun. Um, and our editor-in-chief, Wayne Baster, regaled us with a detailed, lengthy strategy article for Star Wars Destiny. Um, this this dice control entry details the best ways to manipulate your opponent's dice by removing them with your character's special abilities. Um, squad construction and tactics are discussed in a really excellent strategy walkthrough that will make you the king of the Destiny table. Um, and you guys can find all of this right now and tons more excellent content daily over at d20radio.com. .com. Awesome. I have to check that out since I went to a Destiny tournament last night and I got whomped. 
Ooh. <laughs> you got whomped. I did. I even played with a Elite Palpatine deck, and uh, seems like they were ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. that You know, I cleaned up. I was still using an old, um, an old Django Trooper deck, and I cleaned somebody's clock with the Palps because it, Palps is just so hard to get started. Oh, yeah. But once you get him started, then you're unbeatable. Well, it was uh, me versus, uh, I, I fought two Palpatine decks myself. Uh, I beat one of them. Uh, another one was actually uh, my best friend, and uh, I helped him build his deck, and then he managed to beat me. So, yeah, that was great. <laughs> but the other one, it was this Uncar plot, an FN2199, and uh, First Order Trooper. That combination, you have to be really good at it, but if you can get it going, wow, it just, it whoops. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wowza. Oh, and while you guys are over at D20 Radio, of course, hit us up uh, with the links on the right-hand side of the page uh, for our Patreon, or you can head to patreon.com slash d20 radio. A couple dollars a month if you'd like to help support this show, this network, and the content we provide. Keep the blog authors flowing with those beautiful words. Um, Please do so. We love it. There's also a link there to our forum community, assuming you still post on forums. <laughs> um, our forum community is still surprisingly active considering how most forum communities have fallen died, lo- died uh, in, in favor of social media um, yeah there there is that um, and what guys speaking of social media oh yeah Facebook go check us out D20 Radio Group and we have an Order 66 podcast page of course you get news, podcast info, when we remember to post it. Like, I think we kind of forgot about this one, but we posted it a couple of days ago that was, we were going to be late. We just forgot a reminder. So, But it's yeah. up there now. Right. So those of you listening, like, not Thursday night. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> of course, you can also follow us on Twitter, uh, at D20 Radio. Of course, you, you can follow us as well, Darth GM, GM Dave, GM Chris. And we uh, tweet show info we tweet stuff random musings regularly and if you do the ten dollar level on patreon you get a special super secret probation gm chris twitter feed secret Mm. stash somebody just did that like this week yep yep i uh i post custom content that i've created um my own gaming thoughts um there's a lot of custom uh i'll link out to free rpgs people can download um, I create custom character sheets um, and guides for various RPGs uh, whenever I get a hankering. And um, I, I post all that stuff up pretty much exclusively uh, to my secret stash. So, That's right. You know. Brohunka, slabber, slicer chunka. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just saying. Okay. Do you guys want to get to some meat? I yes. think we should. Okay. So what are we, uh, Phil, what are we calling the, uh, the tentative title of tonight's titular meet? Exiles and Emergence, or Being a Jedi After the Purge. Oh, that sounds like a Lifetime movie. Um, (laughs) Actually, that would be the most awesome Lifetime movie ever. 
I'm just gonna throw. I'd watch it. I'm just. I'd, I'd I'm watch just it. Gonna, I'm totally gonna throw that out there. <laughs> Being a Jedi after the purge, the Ahsoka Tano story. Um. <laughs> so the thing is, it is the time of Force and Destiny. Yes, it is. Uh, more players now are really rolling up Jedi characters than ever before. Uh, lightsabers, they be flashing. Force powers, they be flying. And the vile might of the Empire be despairing as heroes fight the good fight on game tables in galaxies far, far away. Uh, Disciples of Harmony is out. And yes, it's amazing. And yes, we've got a dedicated show coming up talking to it. We have a follow-up show also planned for mentor rules as well, if Keith Kappel will be willing to join us about them. Um, and I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure he is. And Keith, you're in chat right now, uh, li- watching live. So I'm putting you on the spot, bro. You want to come on and talk about the mentor rules that you wrote? I'd really like you to do that. Would you do that? Could you do that for us, please? Don't wait for the translation. Go. Um, <laughs> so, you know, to, the has thing, Keith ever turned down an opportunity to be on our show? Only when he has to work. <laughs> well, I understand that. I mean, yeah. I think he even turned down sex to come on our show once. It was amazing. That I refuse to believe because I know Keith. But, (laughs) 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 but, but, um, you know, uh, 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 sexual escapades aside, um, you know, we're, we got all this Jedi love coming up. And truthfully, we thought to, to properly preface these discussions, it's time to kind of impart some of our own Jedi wisdom. And this was actually bolstered by a couple recent emails I got from Boba Fred um, and uh, Jesse Estrella, um, who have kind of uh, asking various questions about playing Jedi that we really decided to roll into tonight's discussion. Um, and kind of, it's really kind of brought this into the forefront uh, with these questions about really properly running Jedi heroes, you know, their their practices, in some cases, their equipment um, in the era of the game. Not so much the mechanics, but the role-playing and the character creation and construction and gaming from a GM standpoint behind it. And the thing is that FFG's suggested era of the original trilogy is kind of a treacherous place for Force users. But a lot of players and GMs struggle with maintaining the sense of story Star Wars reality and era specific concepts that not only provide the most fun for players, but also serve to, frankly, rein in the power of a very strong force using PC. So tonight, we're going to climb into your backpacks, Gamer Nation, and take you on a front flipping jungle run through Dagobah. We're going to meditate in the temple with you. We're going to teach you the ways of the Jedi. How do players and GMs deal with the realities of role playing and running adventures for Jedi characters? We're going to find out. So prepare yourself for hokey religions and ancient weapons, kid, tonight on your Order 66 podcast. Don't underestimate the Force. For my ally is the Force, and a powerful ally it is. You've taken your first step into a larger world. You must feel the Force around you. Stretch out with your feelings. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. So, uh, Phil, what are we, uh, what are we, what are we going to talk about tonight? Well, this might seem an odd topic of discussion, but it is an important one because of the simple truth. Most everyone, thanks to the prequels, video games, and printed media, understand what Jedi means. But that expectation needs to be tempered with the realities of the era that we are playing in. In other words, FFG's standard setting, which you're by no means restricted to playing in, It takes place during episodes 4, 5, and 6, and this is a very strange time to be a Jedi. 
A lot of players and GMs don't even realize they struggle with this, and they impose a set of over-restrictive or not restrictive enough role-playing constraints on their characters. So let's start with the era. What we find is most most of the games that take place in the Suggesta era, between episodes 4 and 6, were just prior in the Dark Times. This is where our focus is going to be tonight. People understand the Jedi Code. Players and GMs get that Jedi of old have, have an expected way of behaving. But how does that translate to games in this era? What does it mean to declare belief in the Force or the Jedi? To own or openly wield a lightsaber? What are the consequences of this? So tonight we're going to dig into our thoughts on properly playing and running Jedi during this time period of Star Wars Universe, and how you can bring these concepts to best use for your character and your stories. I am one with the Force, the Force is with me. I am one with the Force, the Force is with me. I am one with the Force, the Force is with me. Right? Uh, um, yeah, man, it's like... when I, like. Okay, so this Gamer Nation, this is going to be a pretty freeform episode. We have a pretty, you know, loose uh, uh, outline for show notes at this point because we really wanted to have a good discussion about this, especially with Chase on. Um, and it's like when I was doing my research to kind of get my thoughts together for this, I was, you know, I'll do what I do. I'll pull up Google and I'll look for articles, you know, because other people wiser than me have written words about things, right? And, you know, I'm researching, like, you know, what does it take to roleplay a Jedi? Stuff like that. And everything I find is like, look, this is what it takes to roleplay a Jedi. This is the Jedi Code. And they list out the Jedi Code, you know, you know, there, you know, there, there is no passion, there is serenity. And they go through the whole list, right? And right. it's like, th that's, that's something we're all a nerd with, but is that even, I mean, that was like the question, like, does that even matter for this particular era? And this particular setting is knowledge of that even a thing, you know? Um, right. So I don't. I don't know. I, th I think we should. Do you guys want to start off the conversation? I mean, maybe talking about you know how this era starts because if you if you think about like Edge of the Empire as Episode Four and Dark Times, you know, prior to that, and you think of Age of Rebellion as Episode Five and Force and Destiny as Episode Six, which is kind of how they they structure it out. If we start at the beginning, like at the end of episode three, we got we got Order sixty six, this podcast namesake, and we got the purge. Um, I mean, what what kind of ramifications did this have in the galaxy, and what does that mean for the world that our players are playing in, that our game masters are running games in? Well, the, the Empire did a really thorough job of wiping out not just the Jedi, but all most of their lore and knowledge. Um, so anything that folks are going to be finding is going to be an adventure in and of itself just to acquire. Mm. Uh, a lot of my games have actually started during Order 66, amusingly enough. Um, that's, that's exactly where I started a lot of my, uh, my Padawans, my Jedi types. And uh, they've been in the temple as it was being attacked. And that is really fun to roleplay through. Uh, them trying to save the children from Anakin. Uh, trying to find lightsabers as young Padawans. And, and get crystals and get stuff out of there. And just try and survive. See, that's interesting. In, in this system, I don't think I've ever run a game that took place during the Purge like that. Um, mm. As a part of it. It was always kind of post. Um, you know... But I mean, I mean, I mean, what else, guys? I mean, I mean, this was a galaxy-impacting event when the Jedi Order was destroyed. 
I mean, the Jedi had a very specific role in the galaxy. I mean, as 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 game masters thinking about this time period, how did the galaxy change with the loss of the Jedi? Did it even change? Of course it did. I mean, Jedi's were the generals. You know, they led these forces, and and you know, you're just gone at this point, right? They, it's it's it was so much more than a purge. It was almost it was almost a genocide, so to speak. Because they they just wiped them from existence. The propaganda, the I mean, you, you fast forward to episode seven, when to hear Ray talk about it like it's a legend, you know. I mean, that's how good they wiped it. Yeah, and that's basically two generations removed from the purge at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. And then and then you think about the purge itself, like post-Order 66. I've always found that to be an incredibly fascinating time to set a, a campaign in, that traditional Dark Times era that, you know, obviously Ben Kenobi refers to it as, where you got the Inquisitors and you got Vader and they're just these relentless hounds just like hunting Jedi um, and, and just trying to to exterminate them. Um, and, and I think a lot of players, you know, and, and GMs end up in that, that kind of mind frame. And the question I always have, and I, I try to ask my players who are going into Jedi is like, you know, if, if well, and we can get in it, well, we will get into this in a bit with different player types and kind of where your, your, your character sits if you're playing a Jedi during this period. But I mean, the Jedi who managed to survive because we know there were some, I mean, what impact did they have? What did it have on those Jedi? And also, I want to ask you guys, I mean, how do you interpret it too? Because it's like, if you look at canon, and it depends on how strictly you run canon, and we don't have to in our role-playing games, I mean, there were really only two Jedi that, at least in, I mean, if you, um, well, I guess Ahsoka too, and Kanan. Okay, so four Jedi. <laughs> that, that, like, that, like, made it out alive, like, with Jedi training. I mean, there's Ben, there's Yoda, and then, you know, from Clone Wars, you've got Ahsoka and, and Anakin. Um, I mean, do you guys run with that where they're completely gone? Or do you guys prefer to run and, and assume that there's, you know, hidden pockets of, of small, maybe, Jedi survivors or one or two here and there? And and like, how do you run those characters? What, I mean, in your in your own games, in your own experiences, it's a really big galaxy. Mm. <laughs> I, I love flashing back because there's this one episode. Of, if you remember the cartoon Johnny Bravo, it was one where he he was like he was involved in like some kind of Starfleet, and it just starts. Space is really, really big, <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. It is. It's millions of light this galaxy is millions of light years across trillions of planets they couldn't have gotten them all yeah so i mean they did a really thorough job but let's face it there are there are probably some jedi out there of varying degrees of of training that just kind of saw the writing on the wall and went "Mm, i'm gonna camp down for a while and just uh sit in this corner of the uh, outer rim and never be found again yeah it's 14 parsecs for somebody to get to me is the uh, is the Agricor and all that still considered canon? No, I don't think so. Um, not okay. really, but it has been mentioned in the books, the the Fantasy Flight Games books. So it is absolutely something you can use. Oh well, there you go. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, failed Padawans and whatnot that might have some training there. Yep. Yep. Yeah, there was the uh, there was the Agricor. We did shows on this for Saga Edition. There was the Agricor. There was the Explorer Corps. It, it, it's a, yeah, the whole Jedi Service Corps, the Explorer Corps, the Agricor, and God, what was the third? 
Not sure. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of trained folks out there. Or a lot of folks with varying degrees of force training that, that could have remembered something and pieced it all together. And you're, you're talking about Jedi specifically. Uh, just like what we got in those books, there's different traditions that are out there that might never you know, been a part of that. Or maybe somebody left and wanted to go study those traditions, so they're still out there. Yeah. Right. Okay, so there was the uh, – now, now I'm curious. So there was the, there was the Explore Corps. Uh, there was the Educor. Oh, the Educor, right? All right. There was the uh, the Medcor. Um, there was the Agricor. Um, and yeah, that was it. Those were the four branches: the Explore Corps, the Educor, the Medcor, and the Agricor. So, when you weren't quite up to snuff to be a full fledged Jedi with your wings. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, so okay, so for those Jedi that are out there, and you know, are are on a planet in the middle of nowhere, I mean, what is the, so? Two questions. The first is for those those Jedi that are out there, whether that's going to be a PC that our character is is playing, maybe they're an older character, or it's right after the purge, um, or during, excuse me, during the purge, um, or or maybe that they're more commonly, if I'm a game master, I'm using one of these guys as an NPC. What impact has this whole thing had on their mindset and their outlook at question one? And question two, do they retain their skill in the force? Because there has been canon and pseudo canon that kind of alludes to the fact that if you don't use it, you lose it. You know what I mean? Hmm. Any sort of uh, skill or talent. I mean, if you stop doing it, you're, you're gonna, your, your natural abilities are going to atrophy. So I guess that's... How, how do you how do you manifest that in, from a, from a game mechanic standpoint though I, I that's what I kind of struggle with and I and I'll be honest with you I do not I have never run um, a game with Jedi in the dark times and so you know I'm making them you know as soon as they show their true colors all of a sudden they get they're they're marked aside from that I, you know I don't have a whole lot of experience I have a lot of people with uh, they could have survivor's guilt and other things that could keep them from wanting to use it. They could be, they could view their powers as something that's you know almost scary because they felt all of their friends die. Yeah. Uh, so maybe they don't want to touch it, and that could be you know like why are you starting off at uh, you know just a hundred experience points from starting? You know what if you were or a Padawan, and how are you building that back up? And it, if you have good role players, then it could be all about trying to overcome those fears. Hmm. See, I like—I kind of like the idea of someone who's afraid to use their powers or has lost the connection in the terms of an NPC. Because, and we can talk about this in a bit, but when you get to the idea of a mentor, what you have is somebody that doesn't have the power to be a Jedi anymore, or they've lost the will to do it, but they still have the knowledge to teach. Does that make sense? So, oh, yeah. for, for me, that's like a perfect NPC uh, coach. It, it, it can explain why why I've got PCs that are learning how to use the Force in a structured way. But at the same time, it's like basic, basically, you know, uh, Gandalf is bedridden. I mean, it's like, yeah, I can teach you this, but I, I can't accompany you on adventures. You know what I mean? It Totally. You know? Yep. That's how, how I ran it. I had, a, I had a character. She was um, an old Jedi guard, you know, one of the ones that... Had the the face mask and the yellow lightsaber. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, yeah, the double bladed so, yellow yeah, lightsaber. She, yeah, yeah, and she had been injured, so she had to stay in a back to tank all Zordon style, and so she could send <laughs> the characters out 
that way. But she was wow. stuck. Yeah. We have a need That's... for Jedi with attitude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's just greatness. That's absolute greatness. You know, I also think as inspiration, I think of um, you guys have played the first Force Unleashed game. Um, oh, yes. uh, General Rom Coda. I mean, that's an example of, of, a, of a hardcore Jedi who who actually physically says my connection to the Force has been cut, you know, um, through physical or emotional trauma that, that he had. But he's still able to teach, you know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, so I, don't, you- I don't know. Do you think those that are strong in the forest maybe even project it more or focus it like Virgin style and that with so many Jedi that are just devastated and gone that maybe the force is simply less in the universe at this point? That's a thought. I honestly think that's where they're going with the with the canon films. The idea of, you know, they 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 tease a lot more I think than they reveal, but the idea of the force awakening it's like, you know, if you guys remember the first trailer for The Force Awakens, it was like, you know, you know, there's been an awakening. Have you felt it? You know, the, the idea right. that the, the Force ebbs and wanes in the galaxy and um, or waxes and wanes. And um, I don't know. That's an interesting concept as well. Hmm. OK, so. These are all things that can influence our games and influence our characters. And I know that I know that a good PC is is going to have this conversation with the GM and figure out how it kind of impacts them. But one of the more interesting things that led off of the the, the Order 66 and the destruction of the Order and the Purge and Phil, the 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 propaganda that you mentioned earlier, um, and mm-hmm. and the the Empire wiping them out, is understanding how the galaxy as a whole views the Jedi. And this is one of those things that I I, I either see like I, I honestly I don't think I've never seen a GM overdo this, but I think I don't think I don't think enough GMs give this credence, okay? And and true yeah. understanding. Because like during that Dark Times or Rebellion era, like the galaxy has some the galaxy as a whole has some pretty strong views regarding Jedi and the Force. Um so I mean, what does that mean for our our characters and and our games? What how how does the galaxy? I mean, how how can the, how would the gals the denizens of the galaxy regard the Force and regard Jedi, quote unquote? Well, they, mostly they see them as a myth, first of all. Okay. Um, it's the fact that most of the common citizens of the galaxy, or at least the Empire, the Jedi are regarded as con artists. Uh, even Han Solo says simple tricks and nonsense. So, how would such an NPC react? You know, you have to consider how would NPCs react to seeing force powers in use, and what would be those ramifications? <laughs> like, part of me wants to say that NPCs would be like, "Okay, where, where's, where's the, where, where's the, where's the, where's the Gravlev? Okay, <laughs> where, yeah, where, they where, would blame where, Chris Angel. Yes, yeah, so it's like, I was like, are you, what? are you a magician? <laughs> well, yeah, you remember when ran and i had force powers in the dark times and you ran it as such that people were just dumbfounded and mystified they could not believe what they were seeing what is this what is going on yeah it, mm. it, it, they were at a loss to explain how it was that something just got picked up and dropped on a group of soldiers i remember this like, was it was it an atmospheric disturbance you know um 
you know, when, when you're talking with like the common people, but I mean, even if they, even if they don't believe it, I mean, they would regard it with, I think, outright fear. Um, if, if nothing else, I mean, that's like, I mean, literally be like walking down the street and seeing some guy saying, I can do magic, watch. And he even gestures in a car lifts out, you know, I mean, I would freak out, you know, uh, you know, burn him at the stake. Uh, but, but that's the obvious thing. And they, I mean, and that's going to bring the obvious heat down on you. The smart force users in this era are going to use stuff more subtly. Right. You know, mind trick you can pull away if, uh, even to some degree enhance. You can you can get away with. I mean, no, if you're jumping dozens of meters into the air, yeah, that's not really going to work unless you've got something that looks like a jetpack to fake it. You know? Yeah, but I I could still. But you're right. I see enhance mind tricks. Sense is another one that could be used. I mean, sense can be used pretty much imperceptibly. Um, exactly. So okay, so so the force powers you totally choose. The force powers you choose are wise. Um, okay, what about? Those denizens of the galaxy that see the Jedi, like maybe you know, don't regard them as a myth, but like especially if you're if you're close to the core worlds or you're an Imperial, I mean, viewing the Jedi like like realizing that these powers are real, but believing the propaganda and viewing the Jedi as just flat out evil. I mean, you know those those galactic citizens who who believe in you know alternative facts. <laughs> um. I'm trying to come up with a good example of how I can how I can explain exactly what the galaxy feels about like the emperor and everything that went wrong. The only thing I can think of is like, imagine Justin Trudeau came out and said, "This entire sect of people is evil." Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh my god, he's so nice. He does so many neat things. He's got to be telling the truth. Well, even they think really of it. Are evil. Think of it like us. So we have, you know, new canon and old canon. And in old canon, Jedi would take away kids, you know, at a young age, and people mm. would perceive that pretty bad. That is the same kind of thing. Like, we don't know if that's really what they did or how they went about it, but that's what goes around. People think, oh, Jedi are, you know, baby snatchers. Yeah. That did, certainly didn't help matters. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I think about, and then there's these continual strictures that the Empire has in play. And the books are kind of clear on it. Like, during this era, like, being a Force user, being a Jedi, or declaring that you're a Jedi, that's like, it's incredibly dangerous if the Empire finds out. Because, they, I mean, that's an instant criminal act. I mean, there's there's active bounties that the Empire has constantly on anyone claiming to be a Jedi. Um I mean, so how does that how does that impact play? And I, I just don't see GMs using this enough. It's like if you if you whip out a force power in the core worlds or a freaking lightsaber, like people are gonna dial nine one one. Yeah, legit. I mean, to- legit. totally legit. I mean, and how does that come into obligation? Or morality and conflict, especially from the PC angle. I mean, it seems cut and dry, like, oh, you got the criminal obligation because you're a Jedi. But is there something deeper you can you can do with that? Um, you know, and then on the same vein from morality and conflict. I mean, I mean, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of options here. Sort of, you know, I, I, one, I don't think GMs enforce this enough. And two, I don't think players consider anything beyond the obvious. Um and and is it is it are is it bad for a player to be too cautious with this? I don't think it's bad for a player to be too cautious with it. I mean, I no. think that's just that, that that's just a smart that's a smart way to play it. 
that's that's a character choice. You're not going to do something that's going to attract attention to you. That's some could say that's the smart play, but you are putting your you are putting um, you know kid gloves on yourself. Well, yeah, but it's a da- danger to your entire group. It can be absolutely. But it can also be a danger to your entire group to nerf yourself into, you know, into mis- into ineffectiveness because you don't want the possibility of there being a bounty hunter suddenly coming after you guys because you're a force user. I mean, if you've got the ability to to you know move objects and and, and or make giant leaps or or throw up defensive shields or cost cast illusions or whatnot, and you don't use those to help your allies overcome certain obstacles in in, in play. You're 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 creating a you're creating a, a more difficult situation than there necessarily needs to be, and thing. That's not a bad thing. It's not a wrong choice either. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a choice. It's an absolute choice. But it's also a choice that could earn you. Believe it or not. You cut out there. Could earn you what? Could earn you some conflict. Believe it or not. Okay. Because it might be that you're. Your act of selfishness of not like basically doing everything you could to save someone could earn you a couple points of conflict. Well, and that's that's where that's where I love these points of conflict, my man. I'm like, you guys ever put your Jedi players in a situation where where it's it's like, um, shoot, Dave. We ran a game a long time ago, and I don't remember if you recall, but it was one of those things. It, it wasn't the, I mean, it was, um, it wasn't quite the same vein that you guys weren't trying to hide your powers, but basically you were undercover in a town trying to hide the fact that you were there and because the, the, the Imperials were searching for you and you were literally hiding in a cantina. And the stormtroopers came out and literally started pulling innocents off the street and lining them up in a row and putting guns to their heads saying, you know, you've got 10 seconds to come out. We know you're here or we're going to start executing people. 10, 9. Do you remember that? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you, you may not have been there for that session. I'm not, I'm not sure. But it was actually Kat who was like, like, because the other players were like, well, what do we do? Okay, well, listen. Uh, it was Jake was like, I was like, okay, well, I'll run to the roof and see if I can't get a sniper position. And everyone's talking about what to do while this guy's counting down from 10. And Kat literally just walks out the front door of this cantina and ignites her lightsaber. <laughs> um which is so cat, but there's that that choice uh, yeah. that you yeah she of jumping off the building yes, um, you know that 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 choice of of uh, that 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 conflict of putting that fear of being discovered into uh, the 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 chance to save someone or do something good and and we've talked about this before in the conflict show Phil but you're right man I mean I think if you deny yourself that that is conflict worthy. Um, the other thing that, that I like is the potential uh, confusion and good role-playing of good people who are afraid of you and all that you stand for because of what they've learned. I mean, if, if, you've, got, if you've got some random innocent who is a good guy, and as an NPC, you as GM can paint him to be a good guy, um, who, when he realizes you're a Jedi, is, a, is about to turn you in and he's on the communicator, what do you do? I mean, do you, do you stop him? Do you kill him? Do you try and convince him? Um, you know, because he, he just doesn't know any better. You know what I mean? It's, it's ignorance, you know, from his perspective, you're evil, you know, from my perspective, <laughs> the Jedi are evil. Um, you can threaten him. Uh, I can kill you with my brain. <laughs> brain, brain, brain. 
That's, but that does actually remind me a lot of, you know, like River Tam in Firefly. You have this concept of the, the government's after her and she's with these people, but they are afraid of her. Uh, more so, I think, because she acts crazy, but uh, she does show off her powers and that scares people. Uh, e- even her friends, like they start treating her differently. So, right. and they're good people. Well, most of them. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're all, all right. <laughs> Jane, I'm looking at you. Um, oh, that, that's pretty good. Oh, okay. As an aside, um, have you guys seen that? The, there's a Firefly T-shirt out there, and it's got a picture of of the Serenity on it, kind of. Uh, off in the corner and there's these stylized images of leaves in the background and it's this beautiful scripted text that says i'm a leaf on the wind watch how i soar but it like the the dominating center of the t-shirt is this massive blood stain like something is punctured through the chest yes i've seen that (laughs) no that's awesome it is hilarious (laughs) um yes yes i'm sorry firefly owes so much to star wars um yes (laughs) <laughs> okay so, so let's let's then talk about um the exile versus the emergent because we talk about these player roles and i'm not talking about the specs i'm talking about the the concepts those specs revent uh, represent i mean like player character backgrounds knowledge experience and expectation what i mean for players out there what do jedi characters think and feel about jedi in the galaxy what do they know uh, from a role playing standpoint? What what sort of buckets can they can general buckets can they rely on to put their characters in in terms of what they think and feel and what kind of character conflicts they might have internally? Don't all go at once. <laughs> Sorry. So so like, the exile and hiding, you have very much of the Obi-Wan Kenobi concept, right? So he's he's out there, he's doing something, he's protecting Luke. We don't really know what all happened on the in-between other than Maul showing up. But uh, so you have that concept of uh, an older one, you know, maybe that it is trying to keep that stuff away. So if he's if a player is being one of those, like a, an actual old Jedi or a Padawan, you know, Kanan style that's trying to keep it away... Uh, that that fits that whole exile thing very well. Um, but that's it's low profile. It's trying to avoid attention, and that plays way more into the whole hiding of your powers. I think the exile and hiding <laughs> is an interesting concept. Um, I mean, Kanan is another good example of it um, uh, from from the Rebel series. Um, but I mean. What would you guys encourage of your players, though? Would you encourage them to be an older person who was, like, trained as a Jedi and maybe they've lost their powers or they've atrophied and they have to relearn them? Or are you guys more of a fan of, like, maybe the person was a a Padawan or a youngling in the Order during the Purge and managed to survive? Um, I mean, how do you how do you guys prefer to see that in your games? That's pretty much what I'm playing right now in the in the Star Wars game. I'm able to play. Um, I've got my my... Marshall, who was a Padawan back during the Purge, and he uh, basically a janitor got him back what was going on, and he lived in the Outer Rim. He he wasn't fully trained. He only knows bare minimum sense, but that whole sense that being their peacekeepers, they they protect people. It kind of made him move towards being a marshal, being a law enforcer. That's cool. 
But I think like what defines that archi- well, that archetype of exile and hiding is the fact that you have memories of the old Jedi. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean whether yeah. whether you lived it hardcore or were just starting to be trained, it's like you remember. There's things you know. You know. I mean whether you're a whether you're a full on Obi Wan or whether you're somebody like Kane and Jarrus. Um, which makes a lot more sense for the the lightsaber styles and whatnot because. I figure you'd have to have some kind of knowledge of them to practice it other than like the main ones. Mm. Yeah. Um, Most certainly. And that also plays into if you knew there were facts and things like that out there, like you'd know what a holocron is maybe. And so that could be a hook, you know, for a starting character saying like, well, you know, these things exist so you can actually seek out the specific knowledge, try and gain it back. Yeah. Okay, so we have the uh, we have the exile and hiding, very common bucket archetype for your Jedi PC. Um, what are some others? So there's another one that you know somebody who's born force sensitive but never really was was found, and the Jedi Order, of course, is a stain. You know, you might have even been born after the purge, and and somehow no one. Uh, found you so you know the propaganda it doesn't really (laughs) it doesn't really match what your experience is because you've you know you've got this thing that you may not know exactly but it's not it doesn't match up with what the empire says you're you know evil or untrustworthy or it's magic and hocus pocus or whatever so something inside you and that almost that almost creates a conflict before you even get started yeah, you know, and so that's you know that's I guess you can emergent or whatever. But um, the question in my mind is, you know, how when when you get ready to get this character going with your GM is how how did you learn your abilities? How did was there a method other than self discovery that you used? Well, yeah, and there's a lot of options and good GM tricks that you can have up your sleeve, and I I'd actually like to talk about that in greater detail. But I mean. You know, you could have a mentor. You could have, like Muggs mentioned earlier, you maybe you, you found a holocron or you have access to one. Um, before holocrons were even a thing in my old Star Wars role-playing games, it was like, you know, in the situation, it was like you found some old writings or journals, you know. It's like, uh, you know, like Daniel-san learning karate from a manual, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, like an old... Um like a poster or something that has lightsaber forms on it. (laughs) Right. Um, You know, there's always the, uh, uh, the possibility of a temple as well. I mean, we have an entire book (laughs) devoted to this. Um, We do. Yep. I mean, we, we have nexus of power and it's very clear about the fact that even after the purge and I mean, there's, there's temples, the Jedi were really old and they had temples everywhere. And the empire didn't know about all of them because honest to goodness, the Jedi probably didn't know about all of them, you know? Um, or, or hid them really well. Um, you know, I love the idea of, of, you know, finding secrets inside of an old temple. Um, I think that's cool. Um, but in playing as an emergent, I I feel like, uh, the room that you have as a, as a player and as a GM there is greater because they're not, uh, they're not handicapped necessarily by the knowledge of everything before. So then you can get into things like, uh, you can start trying to corrupt them more because they don't know what a Jedi, you know, they're not playing as a paladin. They are learning these things. And so you can really tempt them down paths and they could have mentors that 
mostly seem good, but maybe they're not. Maybe maybe there's an issue there. Maybe there's something that's dark about them. They're telling them, you know, go ahead, embrace your anger. And uh, they, they wouldn't know any better because they don't have that old knowledge. Well, even so, then, yeah. the idea of competing mentors, and I look at the most recent season of The Clone Wars, obviously, and Ezra Bridger, um, you know, where... Rebels. Yeah, where with... Oh, did I say Clone Wars? My bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Filoni. Um... Uh, uh, yeah, like the recent season of Rebels. I mean, that's that's Ezra, Ezra Bridger's conflict, right? I mean, he's got this this dude who remembers the as you, what did you say earlier, Paladin ways, right? And is 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 mm. trying to teach him, but is struggling with his own inefficiencies as a teacher. And then there's this other dude who comes along. He's like, no, no, give in to your anger. <laughs> it makes you powerful. Um, yeah, this is this is good. This is good. Okay. Now, one of one of the more unusual archetypes that I really think has a lot of meat on the bones for a PC Jedi character is somebody who it's not even a conflict. They're directed and mentored, but in a negative light from the start. And I, I, I often I'll call this archetype the turncoat. So basically a character who is recognized as a force sensitive, but was raised by someone other than the Jedi for their abilities and is being used for their abilities. And it's not necessarily, I mean, like, it could be something as simple as like they're raised by the empire in order to be a future inquisitive. But if you want to get into like age of rebellion and the realities of war, like, you know, especially if you watch like rogue one and some of the more insane rebel cells that are out there that were hinted at, you know, that are like really hardcore. It's like you, you know, you, you better believe, um, uh, Forrest Whitaker's character. What's his name? Uh, Saw Gerrera. If Saw Gerrera found a Force-sensitive kid, the first thing that would go through his mind is, I have a weapon. <laughs> oh. I have I have a nuclear weapon right here, and I'm going to freaking raise it, and I'm going to teach it every bit of anger and hate, and it's going to become a killing machine, okay? And that's how Saw would have raised it. Um, there's also, although they're not really canon anymore, I mean, you have obscure Force traditions out there that were not Jedi or Sith. You've got uh, criminal syndicates and corporate organizations that could raise such a child for this very purpose. And so, you know, you're you're somebody who's been raised to know that you're Force-sensitive. You've been trained, but it's intentionally not with a Jedi mindset. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like uh, imagine if Luke had been trained by Yondu from Guardians of the Galaxy instead of Obi-Wan. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he might be your father. I'm Mary Poppins, your daddy. yo. I'm Mary Poppins, yo. Is he cool? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's cool. <laughs> um, well, just, I mean, somebody like that, a very, a very Hondo-esque character that is using you, you to, you know, mind trick people and, and to you know, getting their, their jewelry or something like that. Um, you know, you can use your enhanced ability to be dexterous and get in and out of places or, um, you know, moving objects to open up safes. Uh, I can definitely see somebody getting taken advantage of in an edge of empire kind of way. Absolutely, mm-hmm. man. I can see a pirate King being like raising, raising, you know, a cabin boy, like, wow, you're going to be my ace in the hole kid. <laughs> um, Dude, I, I I think that's that's fantastic. Okay, so Huli is in chat, and he says, "What about artifacts? Like, have you discussed the idea of a person who wasn't force sensitive, like maybe an archaeologist whose powers were activated by ancient technology?" Um, oh, that's great. 
That's a cool idea. It's very KOTOR, though. I don't know if I'm too keen on it. <laughs> um, I mean, because, like, new modern canon, it's like it's kind of like, look, you either are or you aren't. You're either born with it or you're not. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that maybe you find, like, a midi-chlorian injection device or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, interesting as, like, what if you have to go back to it to reactivate it every time so you have your force rating? Ooh, and then it gets stolen. Ooh, and what do you do? And, and oh. it's a MacGuffin. That basically turns you into a member of the Green Lantern Corps. Dude, I see. <laughs> I see an addiction obligation right there. Yeah, legit. Not not necessarily addiction because you you are addicted to it. An addiction because you have to do it, or else you lose your powers. Yeah. Or if you want to go really cool, you are addicted to these powers. <laughs> Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> but dude, yeah, the Green Lantern Corps, totally. <laughs> okay, man, Phil, next module, right there. <laughs> right, right, right there, right there. I think I'm thinking of God. I keep going to video games. I'm thinking of uh, was it Jedi Knight two or was it Jedi Knight three Jedi Academy with the idea of the reborn? Oh yeah, they had uh, the crystal that the academy in their chest. Yeah. It was Academy. It was Academy, yeah. So it's like, yeah, we can give you the Force. Here you go. Um, it's unstable, and it'll probably kill yeah, you, but here not... you go. Hey, why not? <laughs> okay, so let's expand on this idea. Dave, you mentioned earlier the idea of of how to... If you're, if you're, playing, if you're playing a Force user... How to learn your abilities in the game, and I mean, if you're a GM, what what resources can you offer? I mean, this is a, a galaxy that is controlled by a fascist oligarchy that has worked incredibly hard to stamp out all evidence of the Jedi. What are PCs to do? Where where can they learn? What options are available to them, and what do those options mean in the game? What what decisions does the GM need to think about when they decide to introduce one of these options? Uh, well, there's always Ben Kenobi. The mentor we have, yes, yes. I mean, that's that's an easy one, right? If you're if you're an inexperienced GM like me, then uh, that's all you, you got to do. You got to just lean on Episode Four and say, "Ah, I'm going to introduce an old fart Jedi," and you're just going to happen to stumble on him because you went to a desert planet, just like Episode Seven. Wait, what? Hold uh, on. <laughs> starts with a desert planet and a droid. Uh, yeah, I forgot. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah, we know you hate episode seven. <laughs> well, and it doesn't have to necessarily be just some old guy or woman that's out no, there. No, it's doing true. It. Yeah, like, I I once created a lightsaber that had a droid brain in it, and it didn't. It couldn't touch the Force. It had no idea how to do that, but it could teach the things that it was taught by the Jedi. It was it was actually ah, kind of uh, like a holocron. Yes, it was like a holocron, but. It mostly taught lightsaber forms. Dude, that's a great idea, though. An old Jedi training droid. Or F that. Just the Jedi had droids. I mean, I know he's probably not primed for it, but I'll bet R2-D2 could teach someone quite a bit about how to use the Force. At least in terms of the practices the Jedi followed, because he was freaking there for it. He witnessed it. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, if a droid is... And and, and beyond that, if a droid is actually programmed to be a training droid... Well, dude, that's a great idea. Um, 
Dude, we'll dude. think about like Pro- Professor Hu Yang. Was that it from yep. the Clone Wars? Ah, yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They so have you, these examples. Okay, so you mention it. What about holocrons? What about well? What well, about uh, both of us kind of mentioned it? So I mean, I don't know if you who you're talking to, but yeah, I mean, if you stumbled on a holocron or an old set of Jedi writings, I mean. That could inform you. That could set you on your path to learning what you needed to learn. And, you know, I mean, I, I, as a GM, I'd have to put some restrictions. You know, if I found a holocron that could teach me to be all the way up to a Jedi Knight, now, obviously that's not going to happen immediately, but still. Okay, so so then my question, you know, my question, book smarts then, are only so much. My question then to uh, to the those experienced GMs that we have here on this show, what is too much? What's the limit for what a holocron? should be able to teach your players emperor level oh that's a deep sigh it depends on what they started with you know because this is just a it's an imprint from where they were at so even if you had obi-wan from back in the day that doesn't mean that he has all the knowledge since then so you could limit them that way yeah yeah um and also the they use kyber crystals, right? So they're force sensitive. They can tell how powerful you are. So they might just be like, nope, uh, come back whenever you've upgraded. <laughs> come back when you have another force die. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I don't know. Phil, what are your thoughts, man? You you, you had a deep contemplative sigh. Yeah, because um, it really, as, as has been mentioned, it really depends upon not only the, the type of holocron it was, but also where the person was in their as a Jedi when it got recorded. Um, I th- so yeah, if you've one of the holocrons of like one of the Jedi Council Masters, um, that thing should be able to give you sufficient knowledge to carry you through your your force and destiny. Um, you will your car- your game will not last long enough for you to run out of knowledge that the holocron could impart upon you. Mm. Okay. But but folks it could folks could have started holocrons as early as you know getting attained knighthood. So you could easily come across an area where where a Jedi says, "Okay, I only know this. You want to learn how to use uh, uh protect unleash. Well, I never knew that, so I can't teach you that." Yeah. You want to learn how to uh, use illusions and, 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 and use misdirect. I, I, I don't know that. I can't teach that. Did you guys ever play Chronicles of the Gatekeeper? Yes. Yeah. The, the way that they did the restrictions on the powers where you had to find something to add to it so that it would unlock more memories. I mean, that's a good way of, you know, uh, stringing them along if they want to do something more. Mm, sounds like a campaign MacGuffin to me. <laughs> It is, but the question becomes whether or not it's a, a an overly restrictive one. I mean, the the joys of the system is that it's it's open, it's out there, and and folks can really have the ability to pick up whatever they want. Um, I think if you are going to restrict powers like that, kind of let your players know you're going to do that ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. don't just be a dick and say, "Oh, um, oh, you want to learn this? Well, you have no you have no reason to learn it." And even though you've been building your character for the past five sessions towards this goal, I'm not just going to give it to you. Yeah, that's you know, give them that expectation. Give, let them know that hey, you need to find something to learn this. 
Yeah, that would be a dicky move. Yeah. That that would be a very dicky move. Okay. Oh, okay. So how about so? Okay. So if if we're gonna if you limit holocrons in this way, which is a wise decision because it it can it it forces your characters to to seek out other holocrons or other sources of information. Back to the mentor. I actually had this in the notes, not because I wanted to bring it up and I forgot to ask about it. In Star Wars, typically, every time you have a mentor, that mentor is never there permanently. There is a point where that mentor leaves you, whether that's literally, figuratively, um, or or metaphorically. Either they mm-hmm. are they are killed or they they die of natural causes. I mean, Ben, uh, Yoda. Um, I, I not to foreshadow too much, but I, I don't think I don't think Kanan's going to be there for Ezra forever. Okay, um, mm. uh, you know I mean Qui Gon. Okay, um, <clears throat> you, you you reach a point where it almost seems like the, the, that that mentor relationship can't go on forever, and you reach a point maybe where you meet, reach the limit of that mentor's abilities, or maybe as the GM feels okay, it's time for this player to spread their wings and go seek knowledge elsewhere on their own. That it's time to take the mentor out of the equation is that is that a must does a gm need to do that i don't know if they have to do it it just it comes a point where you, the, the the mentor has you know the mentor has to let the master has to let the student go or else the student is never going to become a master themselves right um so at some point the master needs to just let the let the, the the mentor needs to let the the force trainee go and and try to experience what they have learned. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's tricky to do a master apprentice relationship. It really is. And to do and to do it well without having the Gandalf syndrome basically. Yeah, basically. Hmm. It's it's very very tricky to do. We could probably do an entire episode just devoted to that. <laughs> we probably could, yeah. Um, we're looking at you, Keith. We're looking next Sunday on the Order sixty six podcast. We're we're looking at you, Keith. Um, no, no, can't, can't be next Sunday. He 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 works Sundays. Yeah, so he he works he works Sunday. Um, so. Uh, then, you know, I mentioned temples earlier. There's the idea, especially if you dig into Nexus of Power, about force-heavy locations, right? These nexuses, whether those are Jedi temples or other, you know, huge naturally occurring thing. Heck, heck since, you know, going back to uh, the Jedi Knight games, you know, the Valley of the Jedi, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, that, that, that has that. Um, I mean, finding a location like this can be a, a quest. It could be a boon. I mean, it, it could be filled with... These temples can be filled with holocrons, writings, you know, maybe even a mentor hiding out, you know, using the temple as as safety, um, you know, or 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 that we're we're left there and when, when the temple decayed and you know grew up uh, from as a young Jedi and is now some hermit or something. I mean, these are these are all options that are that are available. And I mean, there's so much you can do, especially when you bring into the rules. Speaking of Keith Capital again, regarding bases. <laughs> um, uh, and and uh, uh, having having that kind of campaign reward and, and building a base, um, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean the the primary rebel base on Yavin Four; those are Jedi Temple ruins, if I'm not mistaken. 
there are Sith temple ruins. Are there yes. Sith temple? That's right. There's Sith temple ruins. That's right. I know. I know this. I ran a campaign thing around that. What am I saying? Um, ugh. Yeah, of course they are. They're Sith temple ruins. But ooh, so there's an option. Why does it have to be Jedi ruins? <laughs> right. <laughs> you must unlearn what you have learned. Oh man. So okay. With that in mind, I mean, guys, is there too much? Where should a GM draw the line at giving too much Jedi information to their players? Because we've established that, okay, this information is should be scarce. But, I mean, you know, should you eventually reach a point where, oh, you've discovered this temple and there's all this knowledge inside? Or, you know, should you string your players along? and Or do they ever reach a point where they can be self-taught? Um, I think they, they do reach a point where they can where they can kind of advance them advance on their own, especially if you're talking about upgrades, you know, magnitude upgrades and strength upgrades and stuff like that. The ability to simply do more or or lift bigger things with it because you're able to exercise that aspect of it. I mean, do control skills? Um, it kind of depends as well. Uh, so I, it's really sort of case by case, I would think. Well, and another thing, do you just blanket every single force power that exists in the in the books? Do you just let them have that? Or do you say, like, okay, here's the core book, pick anything you want from there, and then as other things come out, like, you can show them new ones like uh, um, Ebflow, you know, later on. I feel like that's kind of a penultimate Jedi thing. Mm, true. So, I, I had, there are... <laughs> Um, there are three powers, three, um, that I will let a character learn on their own. If you're actually, every GM does this differently. There are three powers I will let a character learn on their own because in canon, we have a, we have a history of Jedi unlocking them on their own. They're kind of, I mean, manifesting those, these abilities are actually often ways that the, the order would identify a perspective Padawan, right? Because sure. because they accidentally manifest these abilities. The first one is move. Strangely enough, um, <laughs> because because uh, you know from from Ray pulling a lightsaber uh, away from Kylo Ren, um, you know Ben never taught Luke how to move object. He never did. But when we encounter Luke after Ben's death, Luke is able to pull uh, a lightsaber out of a snowbank. Okay. Um, and there's, there's other examples, especially in the written canon of young force sensitives manifesting basic uses of the move power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the other two that I will allow, um, are sense, uh, because, because I, I, that's also the one power I can like, if somebody says, listen, I want to be force sensitive, but I don't want to know that I'm force sensitive. I just want to think it's luck. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like sense perfectly plays into that because it's almost totally unconscious, you know? Um, you're also just really good at reading people. Yes. Like, oh, wow, you're really good at reading people. Um, the other power that's been established in canon to that you are able to somehow manifest on your own and be that thing is, um, uh, is, is, is mind trick, is influence, okay? Um, because, I mean, again, we see Ray do it, all right? Um, and there's there's plenty of instances of young force sensitives, you know, getting people to do what they want uh, through the force, you know, and, and influencing their minds. 
Um, so those are the three that I will allow somebody to manifest on their own in my games. For anything else, you need training. And whether that comes from a text or a holocron or somebody who knows how to do what he teaches you, at least that's how I run it. But I'm curious. You wouldn't that- include in, you wouldn't include enhance in that. Because <sighs> that's a great way to explain why Anakin was a good pilot, um, even at such a young age. See, I always took I always took his abilities as sense. Um, mm, okay. But see that. But I could. You could make an argument for enhance. You totally could make an argument for enhance. Honestly, yeah, I, I'll see that. If you allow sense, you can. Uh, you allow enhance. I haven't had a player ask for that yet, so it really hasn't come up. Um, you know, to, sure. to have a chance to learn it without a mentor, but, uh, um, yeah, I would probably totally allow that because again, it's very unconscious. You know what I mean? Um, up to a point, right. up to a point, I think you need to be trained to do a forced leap, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Legit. Legit. Uh, it's like, okay, up to a point. Um, but I mean, I'm curious to know how you guys run it in your games or would run it in your games. What, what force powers would you allow, if any, to be innately learned? That's a pretty similar list. It's a pretty similar list. Uh, most of the beca- well, uh, actually, it's a f- also a pretty fair list because if you look at it, there really aren't many other force powers that someone with only a force rating of one can really pull off with any ability at all. True. Oh, the chat's coming out. What about foresee? Uh, it kind of plays into the way I do it. So mine is I, I allow enhance, I allow sense, and I allow move. And then, if the player wants to, I allow him to take one different one as his shtick. So, like, what is what is unique to your character? So, like, in Ray's case, that would be the mind trick. Hmm. Very, very, okay, that's very interesting. Okay, okay. So, you have sort of, you can have these core abilities and then maybe one other that you can learn. Do you put a cap on it, though? I mean, like, could they, could they manifest, like, protect a leash? Or <laughs> uh, well, I mean... If they have the force rating, then I would allow it, but they, I don't, they're not going to start with that. Um, no. Usually it's just the basic power. Like I'll be like, okay, basic power of whatever your shtick is in the beginning, I'll allow that, and then you can develop it yourself because that's your thing. Um, but everything else is like you do. You, know, you have to find something, training, a mentor, um, you know, touch a crystal and it shocks you and all of a sudden you see the future or whatever. Like that kind of stuff can happen, but it needs to be part of the game. Okay. Dave, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I don't really have any original thoughts now because that's pretty much it. But, I mean, move sense. I mean, they all make sense, right? You don't want to... I, would, I wouldn't want to really expand the list that the others have gone over already. Okay. Uh, this, this, this is a good thought. Okay, so I want to... There's one big other thing I wanted to talk about because at this point in this rambling insanity of discussion... We talked about GM and player concepts and ideologies, ways to start thinking about how the galaxy reacts to your character, how your character reacts to their own abilities and knowledge, and all that's going to inform the role-playing choice. But there is one other huge aspect, and this actually directly relates to an email question I got from Boba Fred, um, specifically. Um, uh, uh, We've talked about Mr. Estrella's Estrella's already. Um, But lightsabers... (laughs) Yes. The lightsaber was the galactic symbol of the Jedi. This iconic weapon 
that was not only deadly and terribly useful as a tool, but was this sign of the Jedi's skill and authority. I mean, and if you like, if you read, especially in some of the some of the legends material, it's like the mere like just the mere presence of a lightsaber appearing in public view would stop a fight. You know what I mean? I mean, un- unignited lightsaber. You know what I mean? It was like people would yeah. just instantly like, whoa, okay, whoa, right? And so obviously with this huge restriction that the Empire has placed on this, you know, you know, obviously lightsabers are a problem. <laughs> Owning, using, or even crafting or finding a lightsaber in this era, what does that mean? And what do players and GMs need to think about? And how does that need to be considered? Well, they're obviously outlawed by the Empire. Yeah. They, that, that R next to a lightsaber is not just a, a, a footnote to, uh, if there could, if there was a way to make a bigger R, it, this <laughs> lightsaber would have it. <laughs> um, you get caught with one of those things, the Empire is going to want to talk to you, and they're going to want to talk to you maybe after they're done shooting you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Just to be sure. So, you got to be careful with it. Um, they're out. Uh, so, what's the reaction to using a lightsaber? It's the same way of, honestly, it's about the same way as reacting to using, seeing someone use the Force, except even more alarming. Um, then, well, now, something earlier in chat Obi Wan whipped out a lightsaber in. The most likely cantina, right? But right then, I he did that because there was because the the chosen one was about to get shot. <laughs> well, no, I understand that, but it didn't seem to elicit a, an especially crazy reaction from the patrons at the bar. Well, there's a difference between core worlds and the outer rim. Keep that in mind. Um, also, a lot of those guys are like. Uh, I don't want the Empire coming here. They're gonna find out my business too. I better <laughs> shut up. <laughs> like when when oh, I yeah. when, when I, I think when I think about the rea- yeah, when I think about the reaction in the cantina, literally everyone just looked away. It was like I didn't see nothing. I didn't see anything. <laughs> nothing. Um. Nope. 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 Um. I saw nothing, and you saw nothing. Well, and we do assume that the stormtroopers are there looking at, you know, the corpse of Greedo to find out what was going on there. But what if they were called because of the lightsaber? That's true. <laughs> that's that's very true. Someone's like, hey, over there. Yeah, yeah. The guy had a lightsaber and the stormtroopers are going to check well, no, it out. The, yeah. the, 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 that's exactly what happened. I mean, the bartender worked. Well, you saw him talking to stormtroopers. And he was pointing over towards the alcove and Han Solo's like, looks like someone uh, looks like someone uh, to take notice of your handiwork. So they were like, someone said something. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, one of the uh, modules I, I ran at Gamer Nation Con recently was a, a rework of uh, my, my Treasures of Destiny series, which is the, the, the secret of the Krellian Kitehawk. And it mm-hmm. takes place during the Dark Times. It's like 10 years after Order 66. And two of the characters are Jedi. Um, and obviously in hiding... But one of the first encounters is in a uh, in a club in a nightclub um, on on Nar Shaddaa. Um, and it all goes to hell and stormtroopers end up breaking in and it, it always happens that people tend to forget what era they're in and I'm you know I always turn to one of the Jedi I'm like what do you do and he's like I whip out my lightsaber and I go after it and I'm like okay well you whip out your lightsaber and ignite it and everyone in the club goes ah 
<laughs> like, oh my god! And they're not scared of the stormtroopers anymore. They're scared of you. <laughs> and then, and, and then every stormtrooper in the place, regardless of who they were attacking previously, is like, it's a Jedi! It's a Jedi! Kill it! Kill it! <laughs> I perhaps have made a tactical error. <laughs> Um, so I, the glow stick of aggro, the glow stick, the glow stick of aggro. <laughs> he turns it on a little word taunt appears over his head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So, I mean, when, when your players want a lightsaber or they use a lightsaber and every player wants a lightsaber, it's like as a GM, you really need to make it clear to a player especially if you're playing in this kind in, in this suggested era. It's like, okay, but before you you need to understand the ramifications. I just want to make sure you understand how the galaxy at large regards lightsabers. I mean, you, you just need to understand that, right? And 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 make sure you set that expectation. Yeah. Um Okay, what about finding a lightsaber? making a lightsaber i mean the the rules are kind of clear with with uh i mean unless you have a gm that goes off the rails and lets them find one early which is always their prerogative but the rules are kind of clear that once you get to that night level of 150 earned xp you can you know at that point you can quote unquote start with a lightsaber okay meaning that that's that's sort of the power level you need to be at to be representative to use an actual lightsaber um i mean but I've had players that want to go about finding them or building them. And I mean, how do you even go about that narratively? And are the parts in your games easy to find, but maybe the Kyber crystal's hard or is the whole, I mean, is, is the knowledge to even build it lost? And how do they even know about how, how do you even build one? I'll let someone else field this one first. I mean, Dave, I can I can try. That stuff. In, I got stuff. Yeah, dude, no, go ahead, you, dude. dude. Go, okay. go ahead. So I remember reading um, the the new Luke Skywalker book um, that came out, and he was trying to take apart a lightsaber and see on the inside, and how most of the pieces were really easy to to figure out, except for the slivers of Kyber uh, that were inside really confused him, uh, and he couldn't put it back together again after he had started messing with it. Uh, in so- my games. Yeah, in my games, kyber crystals are the hard the hard bit. Everything else is pretty easy, other than you know whenever you want to do the modifications. But especially after watching the gathering um, from the Clone Wars and things like that, even the Jedi who they had a planet you could go to to get them, you know, um, it was still sacred. It was still special, but everybody had them. They knew where to go. In a post purge where Ilum's been, you know, strip mined and uh, every single bit of Kyber is being pulled towards the Death Star uh, or the Death Star Two, and they're just going to be hard to find. It's going to be nigh impossible. And the Empire is all about all the known places. Plus, now we have that the Kybers kind of have to sing to you. They have to be your crystal. I mean, the the new canon for what's going on with Kyber crystals and how. You are chosen for it. It's very Harry Potter wandish. Hmm. Yeah, it's not just like I found a Kyber crystal. The crystal has to find you. It's like owning a cat. (laughs) 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 It's like it's like it doesn't matter how much you want to have the cat. The cat has to want you. (laughs) Right. 
and some of the more dangerous bits is from what I understand about the in the new canon how the the Darksiders, how the Inquisitors and the Sith go about getting theirs. They have to kill someone to steal their crystal and then bleed it. Yeah. So you are a target if you have a crystal in your lightsaber because maybe they want to prove themselves and you're the one way that they can prove themselves. It's a great way to have a nemesis. I want your crystal. Wow. That's kind of like Cal Drogo, except replace a crystal for the ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's dark, but that's, that's how they're going about it. And, you know, I like in the, in the latest, um, you got the disciples of harmony where you have the, the corrupted crystals. Now we have, a book example stats for Sith crystals. Like we know what Darksiders are rocking and that whole having to reclaim them, that kind of thing. That's a, another way you can go about getting one. Like maybe you in a reverse way of doing it, maybe you have to beat one of them to be able to heal one. And you know, while you're trying to heal it, if your morality isn't up there, it's trying to bring you to the dark side on its own. There's a, uh, there's a lot in there. So the, the new canon is, is so foreign to a lot of us old schoolers, you know, but I think about yeah. how I think about how you know if you have your Kyber crystal, your Kyber shard, and it's attuned to you, and it wants to be with you. I, I almost imagine the, the link present between character and crystal at that point, it, its morality is obviously going to shift with yours. You know what I mean? Um, right. So as as you get darker, it gets darker. As you get lighter, it gets lighter. Um, you know, and and that that influence is you know it, it's it's more of a reflection of you at that point. Um. But there could be some very interesting conflicts that could be had when your crystal disagrees with you. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, didn't they show that with um, the the black saber or the dark saber that uh, Sabine is wielding? Like, Kanan's like, I know it feels heavy now, but that you have to get in tune with it. Yeah. You know, you could re- represent that with a setback die. Um, something along those lines until you get into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I hate giving more penalties for conflict, but that's an excellent penalty you can give a conflict that's now fully canon justified. So, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, Keith Kappel in chat has said, uh, dude, another option is an heirloom lightsaber. You know, this was your father's. Maybe it doesn't, yeah. maybe it doesn't quite work anymore after sitting in the cellar for 20 years, but here. <laughs> uh, or your grandfather's. Yeah. <laughs> Or your grandfather's. And wi- and the thing is, like, now, I've done that in the past. We actually did that. Uh, Dave, you remember Brev? That was his thing for, that was his thing on one of his old characters, right? Is that he he had this heirloom lightsaber and he had to find a new kyber crystal to repair it, basically, right? But yeah. now, with this new canon, it's not even, it doesn't even have to be that complex. It, it can be something as simple as, yeah, this was your grandfather's. It's a fully functional lightsaber, but it ain't attuned to you. You know what I mean? You, you, that, right. that, that kyber crystal has to be attuned to you now. Um, and maybe maybe it works, but you know, with several setback die to the point that it's not even worth using. Um, yeah, but that doesn't really jive. I mean, well, talk, to me, talk to me. Talk to me. You look at Anakin and Obi Wan when they got rescued from the arena in Geonosis. They, they just, just got, got tossed, tossed lightsabers. Yeah. Well, maybe they were dealing with setback dice though, and <clears throat> you know, I mean, that that, yeah. that, that could just, that could I'm, be a possibility. I'm just not buying it. I'm just not. You're not a fan of There's the There's too many examples. There's too many examples of canon. I mean, you know, Luke, Ray. There's too many examples now of Even Han, picking up a lightsaber and you, you know? Yeah, Han using it on the Tauntaun. Yeah, well, I, mean, like I, I, I would argue that was such an easy check that it wouldn't even matter. That, but. I, I wouldn't say that's a check. He's just using it as a tool. But 
And yeah. but uh, also, yeah. but look, but look, with Luke, uh, if it was his father's lightsaber, which it was, I would totally justify that it would be attuned to him. There's that same spirit. And if my theory about Ray is and ooh, 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 if my theory about Ray is correct, I think there's a reason. I am walking that it, out of the theater. <laughs> I think there's a reason. Why? 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 What? What? What do you think my theory about Ray is? Well, I'm going to rename the entire the Skywalker Chronicles is what I'm going to rename the whole series of movies. Well, well that's, that's what, what it was in the first place. Yeah. Well, I know, but I don't want I don't want seven, eight, nine to continue. No, no, I'm done. You, you realize Luke is like the main <laughs> character in the next movie, right? I mean, you know that, right? The Last Jedi. Yeah, I kind of figured. Okay, just just making sure you're okay with that, Skywalker hater. Um, no, I, no, I'm not I, a Skywalker hater. I'm just you know, you know, I, I, what I firmly expect to have happen in episode eight, by the way, is that, you know, he's she's going to start training and then uh, Finn is going to get captured and tortured. She's going to under she's going to be able to to sense that and she's going to go off even though she's not ready yet. And they're going to go to a to a planet, to a gaseous planet and in a city in the clouds and have to break uh-huh. him out. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> I think. I think that Ray is the. I, I'm a subscriber to the theory that Ray is the reincarnated spirit of of the chosen one. Basically, I think I think she is Anakin. I think I think I think that's I think that's what the connection is. That would be weird, creepy, and deep all at the same time. I, I think because it explains so much. It's like we 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 know for a fact that when Anakin died, he became a Force ghost. We know for a fact that Force ghosts manifest themselves to people, and we know for a fact that redeemed Anakin would be in his grandson's face constantly, like, "What the f are you doing, Kylo? What the f are you doing, Kylo? Don't do this, Kylo." And I think I think Kylo probably had a connection to his grandfather's ghost, and I think that connection went away. And I think. I think that connection went away, and I think that's what drove him over the edge and helped Snoke take control. And I think that connection went away because the Force became imbalanced again, and the prophecy had to be fulfilled, and the Chosen One's spirit was called back to the galaxy and reborn into a new child. And I think that was Rey. I think it's Snoke's brother's aunt's (laughs) cousin's former girlfriend. That's who I think Rey is. What does that make us? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Only one man like would dare give me the raspberry. Okay. Uh, so where hey, gentlemen, I'm, I'm very, very sorry, but we've got uh, like a huge party that we're getting ready for Taylor, and I've got a hard stop tonight, so I'm going to have to bow out before our win game, good games go bad. All right. All right. Yeah. Good night, uh, Dave. Let me, let, me, let me offer my one nugget of wisdom before you get to uh, good games go bad and GM, and you know who I'm talking about? You Est the bed, pal, and I will let my friends tell you exactly how you did it later. I think he knows he did. <laughs> he just wants to know how to clean it up, but we'll talk about that. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Y'all take care. Good night, Dave. You too. Yep. Bye. All right, guys. Well, let's wrap up this meet. Um, you know, we've, we've talked a lot. Do you guys have any final thoughts about role-playing a Jedi or game mastering a Jedi in this time period and in this era to really bring that proper sense to your games. I think the one thing that I can say is that remember that in this era, it's all about recovering the Jedi lost the the Jedi lore and that not necessarily 
bringing back the Jedi. Don't be afraid to let your PCs do and interpret the, the Jedi Order at what they want. They could absolutely have this, this stance of, you know what, the Jedi done screwed up, and we're going to do it right this time. And they may have different ideas as to where they go, but you know, you, you're able to control that somewhat as far as you know, conflict for where it's appropriate, and and the information that they get from the sources that they're using to learn Force powers. Um, but it can be fun to just kind of let them go and do what they do. Yeah. And I think it's really important for you to to talk it out with your player to determine what it means for them to become a Jedi if that's what they want to do. If they, they were one and they're trying to reclaim it and, and get that glory back, or if they're trying to achieve being one, what represents that for them? Because it's really hard to define that mechanically in the system. There isn't a, there isn't a specialization you could take called Jedi. So point do they feel that they've become one is important, I think, for the characters. It's, it's almost a moral choice more than anything else. It's like, I'm a Jedi. It's like, Luke didn't become a Jedi once he earned enough XP. Luke became a Jedi once he decided to follow a certain path in his life. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and that yeah. was very clearly explained, you know, where he throws his lightsaber down and says, I am a Jedi. Um, you know, and no, well said, gents, well said. Well, Gamer Nation, I hope this crazy discussion has imparted some nuggets of wisdom onto you. This was a lot of fun. Um, but... We have a really weird place to go to that we haven't been to in a while. And I think we should cap off the show with it. What do you guys think? Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. There is a great disturbance in the force. I got a bad feeling about this. You must unlearn what you have learned. When good games go bad. So happily, yet sadly, we take the time to return to our occasional show segment devoted to GMs and gamers that need help. Game moments that went awry and moments of confusion and regret that fester around the dice. At WGGB, we aim to give the best advice we can for those situations hairier than a Wookiee's derriere. Uh, it's been some time uh, since we've done one of these, but we got a pretty heavy one in via email. Uh, tonight's request for aid comes from Michael Kovac, uh, who is having some player issues. And this is lengthy, but it's, it's good. And so uh, he says the following. He says, hello, GMs. My friend's group picked up Edge of the Empire and, in fairness, role-playing in general to a great extent several years ago. As I'd played in two games at that point, I was volunteered to GM. Now, I was both excited and terrified because it was a bit intimidating. This was the first time I'd ever GM'd, and honestly, I was still fairly new to role-playing. As a result of this, I let a lot of things slide I probably shouldn't have. For instance, one player decided to sneak into the Jedi Temple. Uh, we collectively decided to start the game a few weeks after Order 66. Um, and I believe I made it too easy, which led him to running around the temple and refusing to stop searching until he found parts for a lightsaber. Um, I didn't give him a lightsaber outright, however, I did give him all the pieces to build one. 
I've been regretting this decision for a very long time, especially since I learned that this guy is an alpha gamer who likes to try and do everything himself, often stepping on other players' toes and trying to hog the spotlight. He often argues about the choices I make regarding either difficulty or consequences of his actions, and just generally has a D&D mindset. In our first session, he literally looted every single blaster pistol off the guys they killed, totaling around 26, and he sold them all. Again, brand new GM, now I see what a huge mistake allowing that was. Um, and he, as well as one other, uh, just non-stop attempts to game the game. Um, he says that he's listened up to episode 82 so far, and he's heard some tips here and there about dealing with it, and, and he's been trying to incorporate them. Um, it's been working with the four other players, and to a certain extent even a fifth, so there's progress. However, this alpha power gamer is very stuck in his ways, seems reluctant to change. He's going to keep at it, hopefully wear him down, over the summer before uh, I return to college and put the game on hiatus again. Um, it's difficult to coordinate when we're at separate schools. But I was hoping maybe you had some tips to speed the process up. Uh, for the record, he's playing a Wookiee Armorer with a base brawn of five and armor upgrading it to six. And if you can see me, guys face palming right now <laughs> um and his melee skill is at five and his vibroax crits on a one just to give you a glimpse of the way he plays um on top of that he <laughs> yeah uh he as well as two others appear to have done their obligations not quite wrong but very nebulous i'm having very tr uh, trouble fitting them into encounters uh, the Alpha Gamer's Wookiee made his obligation duty-bound to restore the Jedi Order, and a Trandoshan medic who is very good friends with the Wookiee made his duty-bound to bring peace to the Wookiees and Trandoshans. And a third player who's playing uh, a Jawa outlaw tech, uh, recently specced into droid tech, and his, his obligation is obsession with creating droids. Like the first two, I'm just wary of them being too close to motivations rather than obligations, um, but I brought it up to the Wookiee and he refused to accept that, stating he did it correctly. Um, I haven't brought it up to the Trandoshan, as I'm not entirely sure how to broach the subject. I don't want to scare him away from the game. And I think the Jow has done it right. I love the concept of him as a mad scientist, but I have no idea how to incorporate this into sessions. I'd love some insight. I'm drawing blanks on all of it, guys. I'm trying my best, but I feel like I'm failing my players and letting them continue with this D20 mindset you mention so often. Any help would be appreciated. I never listen. Sex in advance. Michael Kovac. Damn. So I'm going to shut up. And get your guys' advice on this, because, damn. Classic, classic D20 Dungeons & Dragons mentality. Yeah, murder hobos. Murder hobos. Um, God, um, man, uh, where do you want to start? Where do you want to start, Chase? Um... Well, let's see. The, the power gaming itself, I think that's an important thing to address um, because I've dealt with that mindset from both people who are power gamers that are jerks and power gamers that that's how they enjoy playing a role-playing game. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, there's only so much you can do with a Wookiee that, that's built like that. There yeah. really is. Um, the, about the only thing I can think of is disarm the Wookiee, damage the weapon. Something. How about, put yeah, him, how about uh, put him in a social encounter? How about an entire session with no combat encounters? <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. I, I don't think that you should always, um, you know, handicap somebody for playing a certain way. I mean, you shouldn't shine every, every time, and that's what it sounds like this guy wants to do is, uh, you know, hey, look, I have a hammer, so everything's a nail. But yeah. that, that generates conflict. Like, the system's already built to give you some outs there. That's true. That's true. So if you, if you build a social encounter, and he does start shit, then 
he gets conflict. Mm-hmm. And his obligation, obligations. Um, so obligation is my favorite uh, version of, in, of the three. I mean, morality's uh, fun with really good role players. Uh, duty's fun to just get somebody into something. But I feel like obligations really where, as a GM, you get to control some things and have fun with it. Yes. So his his obligation is to duty bound to restore the Jedi Order. His that... obligation is not an obligation. His obligation is a motivation. Yeah. You look at the motivation chapter, and it says you know, it has almost that verbatim goal: restore the Jedi Order. He's not duty bound to restore the Jedi Order. That's not a motivation. That, I'm sorry. That's that's not a duty. That's not something that's a detractor. That's not something that's a negative. You can make it. One. Yeah, you not easily though. So when someone rolls duty bound to restore the Jedi Order, and he's stressed out about it and suffering a wound, uh, suffering a, a reduction to his strain threshold, how the hell does that manifest? Yeah, well, has he done it? Has he started trying to bring it back in any way? Is he is he genuinely fighting for it? Is he following any of the Jedi code? If he's just going around whacking things with an axe, that's not being. Uh, in the Jedi Order, which is even more difficult, I think, than just being, you know, playing a Jedi style character. But mm. if you're trying to bring the Order itself, that's the strict code. That's a good point. If he's duty bound to restore the Jedi Order, then he's also wouldn't he also be duty bound to obey its tenets to right. the letter? And the instant, the instant, I mean, dude, these guys are old enough to know the Jedi code. The instant he violates a tenet of that. The instant he shows passion, the instant he fails to be serene, okay? The instant he starts looting. Yes. Looting yeah. bodies. Looting bodies. Building lightsabers that he hasn't earned. That is not the Jedi way. And, and that obligation needs to increase radically um, as, as that, 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 that fear sets into him and that stress of doing it. But listen, I, I see both your points. And, you know, I think there's creative ways that we've just talked about that you can enforce that obligation. But, Phil, to your point, I know why the player took that obligation. At least I think I know. I don't know the player. When you talk about power gamers like that, I've seen this all the time. They pick obligations that are basically motivations because power gamers do not want any negative aspects to their character. None. They they, they don't want any hindrances whatsoever. And so, to Chase's point, um, I, I truly... I, I, I truly do think, Michael, that you can turn this into a, a seriously consequential obligation through those t- tips and tricks and methods. But at the same time, if this guy's like, no, I did it right, you need to have him just listen to us for a minute. You need to literally play this part of the podcast and go have him listen to other episodes where we've had the developers who physically develop the rules come on and talk about it. And the whole point of an obligation is it's supposed to be something you want to get rid of. The idea is you don't want to have the obligation any longer. It's a bad thing. And if, is your player is your player eager to stop championing to restore the Jedi Order? Woo, is that a burden he wants to get off his shoulder so he doesn't have to do this anymore? I mean... It can be if if on his deathbed, his master or father said, you've got to restore the Jedi Order, but he really doesn't want to and he's struggling with that. That's one thing, but then it needs to be a struggle, okay? And it, it's it's obviously not. It is it is the, the way I, I will bet you dollars to donuts this player is playing it is that he's just treating it like it's a character trait, like a motivation, as opposed to this severe negative weight on his shoulders that he's trying to throw off. Right. Um, 
you know, and, and the same thing goes for the Trandoshan. And if it's not a problem with the Trandoshan, I mean, I, like you say, you know, you don't have to bring it up if you don't want to scare them away from the game, if you don't want to, if it's not impacting things. But I mean, honestly, that's not an obligation. An obligation, it's like, it's like, it's, it is the character honestly like, man, I really wish I didn't care so much about having to bring the Wookiees and Trandoshans together. I, I need to stop having that bothering me. Okay, that's what an obligation is supposed to be. It's the negative aspect. Um, and and it, if your players can understand that, let them retake an obligation. Do it properly. Or if he's going to dig his heels into the ground about it, do what Chase suggested and some of these other good suggestions. Um, damn, that shit gets me angry. <laughs> I feel like it's it's somewhat self-policing if you have uh, a four spirit show up and say that this guy needs to take his new lightsaber p- parts and give them to um um so that he has his lightsaber back to help restore the Jedi Order and he ignores it and his his uh, obligation goes up well eventually he won't be able to spend experience points yeah so he won't be able to get that won't be able to get that six and brawn that's that's gonna check himself. Okay, what about what about the uh, what about what about the murder hobo mentality? Shoot and loot, dungeon crawl, stripping NPCs, selling their stuff. How do they deal with this? How does he deal with encumbrance? This? <laughs> encumbrance <laughs> is a thing. It is. It is. Like, oh, twenty six blaster pistols. Just stare at him and say, okay, how are you carrying them? Because every one of those pistols has like an encumbrance of two, or sometimes even three. Right, and who's going to buy those? Like, you're not just going to be able to walk into any store and be like, "Hey, I found these stormtrooper, you know, blast techs." <laughs> would you Would you buy them from me? Uh, no, <laughs> get the heck out of here. Get out of my shop. Watch Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like, no, you must leave right now. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Goodbye. Like, thank you. It is not easy to fence those, and even if you find someone shady and buy them, they're probably going to turn on you. Or at the very least, it, because they're so risky to buy, they're going to give you pennies for them. Oh, yeah. yeah, almost nothing. Yeah, like ten percent. Ten percent of their value. If you're lucky. Yeah, yeah. Or you'll sell them to the Rebel Alliance, and they'll do the same thing because they don't have the cash necessarily. Yeah. So, oh, hey, we can use these, but we have no money for you. I mean, I suppose we can give you like you know maybe a thousand credits for the lot of twenty of those and the free and a meal and a place to stay tonight, but. And by the way, I want you to meet my friend over here. Have you thought about joining the rebellion? I mean, oh, exactly. oh, oh, hell, maybe they're like, maybe it's a Saw Gerrera types types rebel cell, and it's like, yes, these are great blasters. We will relieve you of them. Okay, what are you going to pay me for them? Pay you? <laughs> you get well, paid. Well, pay you. <laughs> I'm paying you with the freedom that we will be restoring to the galaxy. That's what I'm paying you with. Mugala will pay you. <laughs> Mugalit, Mugalit knows you will want to donate these blasters. Mugalit knows what you had for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> so it, it seems like one of his biggest things is just this system is very different from anything else, and it is very self-regulating. A lot of the things in here, if you just do all of them, like the encumbrance and you do the obligation, those things are going to reign in the more extremes. Not always, but they are there for a reason. Yeah. And it's just knowing those things. Like, again, encumbrance and 26 blasters, it's, it's just not going to happen. And if they find some creative way to do it or make a point out of it, yeah, don't, sure. let, don't let them. Uh, I mean, hell, if they're trying to load stuff out on a cart or something, gosh, sounds like a random encounter to me. Uh, sounds like 
Uh, sounds like nobody's going to buy those stupid things. Um, it sounds like maybe you've got an additional new obligation of a bounty because somebody saw you carting around Imperial weaponry. Um, uh, you know, shoot, I don't know. Maybe there's a criminal organization nearby that was that 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 controls all such trade in this kind of area. And gosh, uh, they don't take kind to your thieving. Uh, and you know what? They're going to punish you for what you've just in, done because the syndicate doesn't allow poachers on their territory when you when you get right down to it. And now you've got a whole new obligation. And you just make it not worth it. So the that whole dungeon crawl mentality, the the stealing the stuff off the bodies, it's just very not Star Wars. It other than Obi-Wan taking uh, Anakin's lightsaber, I haven't seen too much of somebody picking up something off of a dead body. Dude, um, now the classic example than, is Han and Han and Luke stormtrooper armor uh-huh. right but they 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 left it there it's like it's like we're not going to keep this and sell it we used it to uh gosh give us some boost die on some deception checks and then we left it <laughs> right i don't know that's it i mean i and, and dude uh michael i think it's good that you reference episode 82 um ask not what your group can do for you about being a good player um, but it's, it's honestly really only impactful if your players listen to it. Um, I would also recommend that you re-listen to episode 24 that Phil and I did a while back, Kung Pao Chicken, about breaking that D20 mindset and expectations and behaviors at the table. Have your players listen to that too. Um, it might have some more useful tips for you as a GM, but I mean, it sounds like he's trying to put those into practice, but he's ultimately got, it sounds like one real problem player that's continuing to be a problem. So I guess my last question on this for the two of you is, at what point do you run with a party of four instead of five and maybe <laughs> not invite that particular player back to the sessions? Hmm. That can be really tough, especially if you're if you're close. Uh, if you don't really know the person, then that's not that big of a deal. But if, if you're used to running things and some people, you know, this is their out. Even with the power gamers, know, there's different personalities to all of this. Um, you might not necessarily want to get them, you know, kicked out or something that that could make things worse. Um, if you wanted to keep them in, maybe just straight up talk to them, say like, Hey, this this is a power gaming character and it's going to mess with my story. And I'm a player in this too. Like, this is my story and this isn't the way I want to tell it or, you know, help me tell this kind of story that I want to, you know, be a kind of a co-GM in that situation and say, what kind of stories are, are you wanting to play in? And uh, how can I make it fun for the other people so it's not just, you know, me and you? Mm. Good suggestions. Phil, any final thoughts? No, I think we pretty much covered them. Okay. I think we did a good job. All right. Well, then I believe it is time to bring this wonderful episode to a close. Um, with, with with this length of a WGGB, uh, you know, for when good games go bad, we just didn't have time to get to messages from the edge tonight. Uh, but we do have some questions in the hopper. We've got a couple emails in. I have a voicemail in as well um, that we will get to in our very next episode. Um, speaking of which, next episode is slated for Sunday, July 9th. Um, but guys, uh, you know, Phil, I will be gone. I'll, I, I'm leaving Saturday and will not be back until super late the following Sunday. Um, yeah. uh, for a family vacation. Clark Griswold style to the Grand Canyon. Um, we are making a drive. It's going to be cool. Um, and we're going to see the biggest ball of twine on the way and uh, the biggest uh, Q-tip of earwax. And it's 
going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, you and Dave, of course, don't need me to do a show. Um, we could, yeah. So um, I would say, Gamer Nation, keep your eyes and ears peeled um, uh, to the Facebook page, Order 66 Podcast, and also the Twitter feed at 20 Radio. We will announce uh, the next show. But beyond that, dude, we do have a confirmed specific show, Phil, do we not, for the 23rd of July? That we do. We will be joined by the illustrious Sam Stewart to talk about Disciples of Harmony. Oh my. And sometime tomorrow, you can folks can take a look for the uh, thread on our forums over at uh, D20 uh, over at uh, D20Radio.com, or the boards over at FantasyFightGames.com for where you can post up your questions for Sam about the book. Word, word. So, guys, thank you for listening. Become a member of the Gamer Nation if you're not already. Visit us at d20radio.com. Join the forum community if you want. Register, post your mind, or call us. Leave us a liner and tell us why you never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Or phone in a question, 262-D20-RADIO. That's 262-320-7234. You can also email us, gmchris, gmphil, or gmdave at d20radio.com. Chase, thanks for co-hosting, man, and thanks for supporting the network. Hey, it was my pleasure. And uh, before I go, I want to say happy birthday to Huli. Oh, is Today's it his birthday? Is today Huli's birthday? birthday? Huli. Happy yeah. birthday, Huli. Dude, that's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Happy birthday, man. Happy birthday. <laughs> All right, Gamer Nation. This is GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. And may the dice be with you. And Chase, Good night, Gamer Nation. Yeah, I was going to ask if you have a clever, clever sign off. I don't know if you do. Was it just Good Night, Gamer Nation? That's it? Yeah, yeah, I don't have anything clever. Nothing more clever? Off the top of my head. Uh, God, worst. May co- the force of others be with you. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That'll do. That'll do. Good night, Gamer Nation. You've been listening to the Order 66 podcast brought to you by Ethan Kinsey. GM Scott, Jeremy Bensley, Bert Ingley, Joshua Taylor, and William Thiel. This podcast and related websites are not affiliated with Fantasy Flight Games, 20th Century Fox, Walt Disney Corporation, or Lucasfilm Limited, and its content is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. All original content is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast and Gamer Nation LFC. (laughs) 